0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you that we find ourselves in the house of God, celebrating a victory we might not understand in its totality. You rose from the dead, you conquered the grave at the tomb there was nothing there, Lord. And Father, while we, as Christians are, are, are not celebrating at the level of the victory that you have obtained for us, today we want to inquire to these matters and to see into them a little bit clearer and find out what is there in it in regards to our responsibility to respond and to be able to acknowledge and to be able to live in a manner which honors that resurrection. We pray that the life of God would be imparted to our bodies, that we might raise from our dead ways of living and, and just subsisting and trying to get another high, another level of, of joy when in your presence there's uh, fullness of joy, Father God, fullness of gladness. So let us come into that life. Let us, let us breathe it uh, in, in included with the oxygen that with which we breathe this morning. We pray, Father God, that you open our eyes and that we might see the things that have been spoken of and have been revealed through your scripture, Lord. We pray that this word would not return void, Lord, that every person that hears this message would be able to rise and be filled with the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Bless and prosper your word as a good seed in good hearts, that your word would be a Bread of life, that man not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, that it would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a double-edged sword that would pierce our hearts and allow us to respond adequately. In Jesus' name, we believe and we pray, amen and amen. In Luke chapter 24, verse 1, I just want to uh, talk about these episodes of how it was That this all started and it all started the first day of the week very early in the morning and it started by a group of women that were going over to the tomb. Now if you have issues with women you can say thank God for women because if it were for the men we would have never known that Jesus raised from the dead. The men were scared. The men apparently did not get up early in the morning. The women did. And they certain women went with them and came to the tomb. And their, their concept was, we're going to do what we do for dead people. We're going to bring spices which are prepared for the body. To keep the body in a place of, of non-corruption. They, 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 they had certain customs to, to preserve the body with these spices. And I want to tell you that... Uh, certain of these women still exist today. These are the women that they wake up early and they come to the house of God and they vacuum. And they preserve this place. How many, how many feel that there's a cleanness about this sanctuary? It doesn't happen alone. Let's give a big hand to the women, amen? You know who they are? They're women who love the Lord. There are women who love the Lord. um, It's super powerful that these women show up to the tomb in verse 2. And the Bible says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So that means somebody was messing with Jesus' burial plot. Somebody had had rolled this uh, stone away from the tomb. Verse 3 says they went in. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have gone in, I don't think. Um, just historically in my life, I avoid cemeteries. How many are like me? Uh, years ago, the Biltmore Hotel was closed down. It was a haunted house, and some friends would say, we're going to go. I said, I'm not going to go. And I stay away from places where dead bodies lie. Uh, Pastor Joey just went to do a funeral, right? And they invited him into Jackson Hospital, into one of the rooms, and the patient was still there, just had passed away. And so he had to conduct a funeral service with the body there. I was like, you're brave, brother. And he says, aren't you guys going to cover the... And they said, no, we just leave it like that. And George Gill was fainting. <laughs> Stay away from the tomb. These women were brave. Not only did they go there, they went inside. And thank God they went inside because when they went inside, they did not find the body there. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Historically, uh, those who have studied these matters says that when they go looking for the prophets and the gods of other religions, all their bones are still in the grave. Buddha is still there. Muhammad is still there. All these bones are still there. And Jesus is the only empty tomb. So the dilemma becomes... Obviously, where is Jesus? Verse 4, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. They were like freaking out. How how many have ever been greatly perplexed? Freaking out, like what? What's going on here? Something's not right. That behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These two men that appeared to them. They freaked out in verse 5, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. The men asked the ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? It's really important. I, I think that this is the question that does away with religion. A lot of people tell me, Pastor Joaquin, you're really into religion. I said, no, I'm really into reality. Reality means that my life was a wreck before I started obeying and following and seeking Jesus with all my heart. I've done a lot of things in my life, but the single most incredible thing I've ever done was to follow Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus saturates my every thought every day. Everything in context and filtered through this. Otherwise, I might find myself seeking the living among the dead. I don't want to practice religion. I was writing with a young man as I was a lawyer. I, I had many young people would come and they were an intern in my law office and they would become legal interns. And I had the opportunity to talk to a really bright gentleman. This gentleman had graduated or was on his way to graduate from Harvard Law School and he was writing with me to go to court and he would sit next to me as a paralegal and he said to me, what is the difference from what you believe to what all other religions believe? What, what makes your religion better? Or what makes your faith better? Or what makes your, your seeking God better? And, and that's a very important question. Because it will set the standard right here. And I said um, the single most powerful element of the faith that we have. It's a regeneration That means um, no one has ever seen anything but degenerate. You grab a a, a, a completely healthy individual and he becomes an alcoholic. But there's no faith in the world that could grab an alcoholic and make him a total incredible world changer. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus has the power. He's the only one that destroys the power of sin. Let me tell you what sin is very importantly. Sin is selfishness on steroids. You care about no one at no time. Just me, myself, and I. Sin, uh, it it gets you to walk away from God into the direction of total darkness. And so here... He, he, the question is, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? I would encourage you to saturate yourself with the presence and the life of Jesus. And, and you know something for, for many people, you, you'll be living a normal life. You're not a drug addict. You're, you're not a homeless. But, but don't compare what you're not downscale. Compare what you're missing upscale. Amen. Amen. I, I was a lawyer. I was a law school. I, I could have done well economically, financially, but giving myself over to Jesus Christ and following him brings you into the realm of of changing nations, changing nations. Yesterday, they called me from Poland. Are you going to be back with us this year in September? We were there last year in October, a thousand men. This is unheard of in Poland. So the nations are waiting for you to rise up in the life God has for you. And it's a powerful story. If you don't understand that Christ, his risen life is not just historical. It's that life in you is transformative to to elements you haven't even been able to imagine. The things that God has prepared for you. When I do my men's conferences, I I touch on Ecclesiastes chapter... 6, verse 3, where it says, if a man were to live a thousand years twice, and he doesn't come into the purpose, if he begets a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, even if God were to give you health for a long time, but you do not quench your soul with his purpose, it would have been better that you would have been an abortion. Listen what it says. It's better that you would have fallen out of the womb and not lived one day, be a stillborn. Not lived one day if you miss out, even if if God gave you a hundred children and you lived many years, if you did not satisfy the the calling of God on your life, I say that a stillborn is better than he. Verse 6 says like this. He says, if a man were to live 1,000 years twice, how much is that? The mathematicians. 2,000. How many think they're going to live 2,000? not going to live 2,000 years. You might have 100 best, 120 if you're a champion. But if you live 1,000 years twice, but you don't see God's goodness... What was life's purpose? A lot of you are asking that question. What is life's purpose? Give yourself to God and in Christ, your life is hidden, the Bible says. The purpose of God for your life is hidden in Christ. We don't understand it. It flies over our head. Wellington Boone would say, I'm way ahead of you. You missed it. Your life in the purpose of God is so large, you wouldn't believe it. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, Things that your eyes have never seen. You've never even seen it. Things your ears have never heard. Nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God prepared for those who love him. Amen. Those who just give themselves entirely to him. He puts you on a course of life. So that's why the angels were saying, Why are you trying to find. Amongst dead things, the living. Verse 6. Luke 24, verse 6. He is not here. <clears throat> but he is risen. He's not here. He's risen. Say You, you got to say it with your mouth. Say he's risen. he's risen. And then the neighbor says, indeed, he's risen. Indeed. 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 He's, risen. he's risen. Say it. He's risen. So... I have this thing, he's risen not just because it's a historical account, he's risen, get ready, get ready for what the consequences of this means. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? He, he, He mentions to them, hey, don't you remember all the while he's saying on the third day I must rise again? They didn't understand what that meant. They had no clue. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you. Verse 7. Saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified. And three days later, he would rise again. And verse 8 says, mm, they remembered his words. Mm, yeah, that sounds familiar. I think he said something like that. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, for those of you that don't know what early means, before the sun comes up, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Verse 2. And she ran and found Simon Peter. She's like, I got to go get the disciples whom Jesus loved and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, Peter and John, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So she thought it was like a gravedigger had removed him. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They wanted to go verify. It was the women that got there first. The men showed up later and were going to the tomb. Verse 4, it says they were both running But the other disciple outran Peter. John was younger, right? And reached the tomb first. And he, verse 5, he stooped. Means you had to go down low. And looked inside. And saw linen cloth lying there. Yet he did not go in. I told you the men stay outside. (laughs) We used to call them scaredy cats. Stayed outside. It says in verse 7 the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Those are for the men who don't make their beds. Jesus folds his linen covering. Verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, John went in also after they had been in there and he saw what was happening and he believed. There's some people that see and don't believe. This man saw and they convinced him. Verse 9, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. I want to talk about verse 9 real quickly because I really believe that many of us don't even understand a lot of the stuff that is written in the Bible. We consider it just theological. We consider it religious. Ask God, beg God that he might open your eyes. That you might be able to see the substantive meaning and purpose and provision behind all these things. They're not for us to just know. And the Bible says in verse 10 that after they saw all these things, they went home. They went home. They they went back. Um, Let's go to verse 10. After they saw all these things, the disciples went away and to their homes. A lot of us are going to go home today. I hope that this won't be the end of it. Look what happens to a woman who sits there at the tomb and she's not going to go home. Verse 11 says that the Mary stood outside the tomb and she began to weep. Her 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 experience with this resurrection was such that I'm not going home and forgetting about what the what the Lord allowed me to hear today. She stayed there and she wept and she, as she wept, stooped down, stooped down and looked into the tomb. Verse 12 There's an experience that she has. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laid. She begins to have spiritual eyes into a spiritual world. Verse 13. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. People who have had a loss like this could understand more than those of us who have not. Verse 15, she says they've taken the body. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried away the body, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take, it, take him away. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. I really think that that those people who press into God find a deeper sense of his reality. And the people that are superficial, and they're like, ah, they, they see that some people here think they're at a local building in Miami that has a gathering of a church called Spring of Life. But there's people here that have gathered with the body of Christ, and they know the Spirit of God is here. And Jesus says where there's two or more gathered in my name, I will be there. They, they know a little bit deeper about God's reality. They sense a little bit deeper. Uh, many times uh, uh, the elder ladies that spend all day praying says, but Pastor, I saw an angel standing next to you. I was like, I didn't see him. But they, they're pressed farther in. And they see the supernatural. The children see the supernatural. She was there seeing Jesus she said to him, Teacher, verse 17. And, and Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You can't touch me yet. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am going up to my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. Verse 18. And Mary Magdalene went running, finding the disciples, and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave him this message. This is supernatural. As supernatural as, as then Jesus goes looking for the disciples. Verse 19, he shows up where they are gathered. That same evening, now not the morning, but the evening, the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled together. This is now going to be episode, um, episode 2. First with Mary, he appears and now he's, uh, the doors were shut. The disciples were gathered. They were scared for the Jews because they thought the Jews would come and get them and crucify them. Jesus came and stood right in the middle and said to them, peace be with you. Verse 20. He appears to them. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. How many would, would want to sit there and say, Lord, just show. I'll believe if you show me. Open my eyes and let me see and I'll, I'll move. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Another episode of his appearance. And then sure enough, he needs to appear to Thomas because Thomas is not there. In verse 21, Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The empowering of God's presence to you. After the resurrection is the power of his Holy Spirit. A lot of people say, I don't understand what the Holy Spirit is about. Well, there's a spirit of pornography. There's a spirit of alcoholism. There's a spirit of drug addiction. There's a spirit of lewdness, of lasciviousness. There's all sorts of spirit. The Holy Spirit has come, and when your life is saturated with the Holy Spirit, you're inclined to move on God's behalf, you, you're empowered by God. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit so you could be my witnesses in all the earth. People with the strong spirit of God don't curse. Bad words don't come out of their mouths. The spirit of God grieves you and doesn't allow you to use your body to do things that are repulsive and vulgar. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It says there in verse, uh, let's look up, let's go ahead and look for Thomas appears and they start telling him, we saw the Lord in chapter 20 of of, uh, the gospel of John. And when he, when they tell him we saw the Lord, he says, I won't believe until I put my fingers, right? Right there it is. Uh, Verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas is now with them. And Jesus, uh, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. He appears again to the disciples. Now Thomas is present. Verse 27. He turns to Thomas, and he says, reach your finger here and touch. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it on my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Don't don't walk in unbelief. And listen what, what he says immediately upon being confronted with the Lord, verse 28. He says, Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Immediately upon the evidence, there was a change of the character of his disposition. And the Lord says in verse 29, Thomas. Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, but have believed. Something supernatural about that. In John chapter 21, the next chapter, verse 1, even though the disciples saw Jesus, they they were present with him, they heard him. Um, Thomas touched and believed, they go back fishing. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples in the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, they were fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, the sons of Sebedee, the two others of his disciples were together. Verse 3, and Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. They went back to their old ways after they had left those ways to follow Jesus. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and all night they caught nothing. Verse 4. So in the morning time, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 5. He calls out to them and says, have you caught anything? Have you any food? They answered no. Verse 6. Throw your nets down on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were, they were not able to draw it because of the amount of fish that got caught in the nets. In verse 7, Peter knew it was Jesus. The, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter, Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he had removed it. He used to fish without the garments uh, during the daytime, and it says and he plunged into the sea and swam to shore and, and had supper with Jesus, had food. And so all these episodes of Jesus appearing, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see that, that Paul tells how many people Jesus appeared to, 500 in all. First Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15.1, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you've also received and which you also stand. Verse 2, by which also you are saved if you hold fast to the words that we preach to you unless you are believing in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received from the Lord, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. According to scripture, verse four, he was buried and he rose again the third day according to scriptures and that he was seen by Peter, then by the 12, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren, verse six, all of whom the greater part still are alive to this day when he's writing this letter, but some have fallen asleep, some have already Gone on to heaven. Verse 7. After that he was seen by James. Then by all the apostles. Then by all. Last of all he was seen by me. Paul says when he appeared to him on the road of Damascus. As one born out of due time. What does this mean to us today? If Jesus had not risen from the dead, we would have no responsibility. You could go on um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. It says, if he had not risen, then our preaching is in vain. If he's not a, a, a real living God, then we, we are talking this morning empty words, and our faith is Empty. But if He has risen from the dead, Romans 8:11 says that the power that rose Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, you also will rise from the dead. Amen. You also will be lifted up out of the corruption. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, Through his spirit who dwells in you. This is my favorite part when I do funerals. Because the Bible says that he's going to give us, just like he's given us an earthly body to dwell upon the earth. We call this the the terrestrial modular. We get to see and hear and grab things and walk. And and we get, whoa, here I come this way. No, I'm going this way. We get to use this body on an earthly realm where we're going after we die, needs to take on, the Bible says, immortality. I, I want you to hear this verse, and I'm closing out now. Here it is, First Corinthians. Super important. 15, 54. This is my favorite part of the resurrection story. That's why the Easter bunny has no room here. There's no eggs here. This is the real deal. Here it goes. So when this corruptible, this thing that perishes, how many are getting a little bit older and you can see, I used to have a lot of hair, I used to see right, I used to hear right this thing is starting to fall apart as this thing is falling apart it has to put on incorruption and this thing that's going to die has to put on immortality it doesn't matter who you are sitting in this presence today, your exterior is like drooping with every ear, <laughs> Mm. and guess what this mortal presence has to put on immortality then shall be brought to pass this declaration this saying death is swallowed up in victory that means Jesus wins that means his spirit (laughs) raises you raises you So those of us that have had an experience with this begin to ponder into these affairs a little bit deeper. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Jesus and tap into the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. What, what, I, I just have a question. What would be the power of his resurrection into your marriage? Man, watch out. When the life of Christ is present, listen to me, your marriage goes to another level by far. A lot of the broken families that have come into this church, they're on honeymoon mode. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm not sorry to tell you. Honeymoon mode. It's like, when was our honeymoon, honey? It's now. The power of resurrection. Resurrection. The power of raising up. He says, I want to be acquainted with his sufferings. I want to, every day, experience, take the likeness of his death. Because the Lord only raises from the dead those things that die. Woo! You got to come to the end of your power to start on his power. The end of your life to begin on his And so that's what these men were tapping into. Mark 12, 27 says, we are presented before the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. He he has no ability to encourage you into religion. Eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, hands that don't touch, feet that don't walk. A nose that doesn't smell. A mouth that doesn't taste. That's not God. A living God. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. That explains a lot. It explained a lot for me. When I was young and trying to find the difference between religious practice and exercise, I said, Lord, I don't want that. I want the living, resurrected power of a life without end. To define who I am and what I do in this world. So um, this day, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says that Christ, who's been raised from the dead, is only the first of those who will raise. He's the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's risen. Uh, I want to invite you to stand on your feet now and let you know... That this power of incorruption, this power of immortality, this power that will not. Look at the promise of God in Psalm 16, verse 10. You will not leave my soul to perish in hell. You're not going to leave me there, Lord. Nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. Well, what's the, what's the, what is the offer then? If the, if the resurrection happened, if there were eyewitnesses, if there was historical accounts, what does that mean to me? Verse 11. What it means to you is that in his presence, there's fullness. He'll show you the path of life. And in that presence, there'll be full joy. People looking for entertainment and pleasure today is because they don't have the life of God. They have to go and their their greatest, uh, a friend of mine in law school, I would talk to him about Jesus. He says, you know what I do? I go and buy three six-packs on Friday and I just guzzle them down. And so he would tell me, so you're as happy as you're going to get? I said, yeah, man, I am Ecstatic. I don't I don't need artificial support to bring my joy to another level I, I'm living life with a euphoric expression I'm blown away by the goodness of God it says in his presence is fullness of joy I guarantee you many of you, you guys we have Ephraim there uh, George Carrigal. these guys used to do cocaine marijuana just just all that this world has to offer and when they came in the presence of god never again never again never again it's it's unexplainable well here's the explanation in his presence is a full measure of joy you you don't even know what that is you could scratch the surface a little bit but when you press into it you want to never Remove yourself from that reality. And at his right hand, that means his strength is pleasures forevermore. This is why the young people that come here and they're like, we don't know what's going on. They, they, get, they tap into the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When we tap into the life of God, it begins to have an outward expression. Um, the likes of, we probably, and the Bible says it, it's like if you're dreaming. Like, well, don't wake me up for this. A lot of people say, oh, you're being brainwashed. I said, Le- leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let them keep on washing. I got I need a lot of washing. I got a lot of junk, a lot of ways I think, a lot of words that come out. I need to be cleansed. And, and the power of his reality for your life today is he's extending an offer. He has his hand out to you like this. And my prayer is that not only you get out of whatever is your scenario, because a lot of people... They come with. Pro- I, I haven't met anybody Has ever come to church without problems Everybody has a crisis They have a story of why they came to church Right? Our parents as they were going through a divorce Mine I was a messed up adolescent uh, So the stories are many But I tell people I don't only want you to get out of The craziness of this world How they define existence I want you to get into The expression of what God has for you a lot of people come to get out of stuff that's not the purpose to come, it's a good purpose I guess but to get into his promises fulfilled his dreams come true that's where it's at that's that's another step in the right direction so bow your heads with me and I'm going to pray Father there are people here that only you made this divine appointment and for the first time they have heard something they've never understood and they have seen things that maybe in the past they just overlooked lord you know that the life that you came to bring us and that you conquered death in the tomb at the grave was not only an accomplishment but a catalyst a stepping stone to another expression of who we are here on earth our life on earth has poor significance if we don't come into your eternal purpose that we were placed in our mother's womb by divine appointment because you set things in a divine order and we have lost and we have been disconnected and somehow or another we find ourselves not being defined by the power of your resurrection and the life incorruptible immortality I pray today that Jesus would be the open door for salvation, that Jesus would be the answer. Through each person here this morning, there's hundreds of thousands of people that can witness your life in them as vessels of honor, as instruments of righteousness as vessels, Lord, to be used for your glory. I pray that there would be salvation coming into the homes, that the power of the resurrection would come into the men that are here, the women that are here, the marriages that are represented, the families that are here, Lord, that they not be defined by the mundane and the ordinary, but the supernatural and the extraordinary. I pray that the Spirit of God would come with the fullness of the life of God and breathe upon every person, every family that is here. Father, I rebuke Satan, the power of death that reigns over all the earth upon those people that are living in selfishness. I rebuke Satan and his weapons that they not prosper against these your own children. I pray that they would be set free and that they would enter into the promised land, the land of your promises fulfilled and dreams come true. I pray for thirst, for righteousness, for a hunger for God, for a desire to know Him and the power of His resurrection. That we not be unbelievers like Thomas, Lord, bring us into the believing crowd. Bring us in to those who have touched Jesus and have been touched by him. Bring them in to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I pray, Father God, for every church around the world. I pray for all those that will listen to the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that everyone who's within the sound of this gospel of Jesus Christ would be able to be won over for your glory and for your purpose. We give you thanks for what you have done this day, and we believe that you will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we have prayed and asked. For it's in your wonderful name, Jesus, that we pray and all the people say, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you. Have a great day.